Hey there, and welcome back to By His Grace Marriage Ministry Podcast. My name is Amanda, and today's episode is going to be a special episode as I have decided to share my personal testimony. This really has to do with um, just my life testimony, um, what all I had been through, and how I came to Elohim, but also how eventually I came um, into everything that he has for me um, concerning relationship and marriage. Um, And it's really also to show that where we are often most broken is where um, Abba will use us the most and will bring our, you know, birth our purpose um, and calling out of where we were broken the most. So that's why I'm going to kind of share my life. Um, I'm going to try to do it as brief as possible. Um, And I cannot promise that I won't get emotional here and there as some of these things are still um, painful to talk about or mention. And I'm still healing from some of these things. But um, I finally feel led to share this to help other people to encourage those of you who maybe have been through something similar or um, you're thinking maybe you can't have a healthy marriage or family because you came from a very dysfunctional family um, dynamic or something like that. And so I just want to share um, that. Uh, I want to give encouragement that you can have that despite what kind of family situation you came from. And and most importantly, to honor and glorify um, Abba and, and the things that he can do, right? Because nothing is impossible for him. And really just to highlight his redemptive work um, and his mercy and his grace and his love and his goodness, just everything that he is, right? And so I'm going to be sharing this. And this is the first time that I am going public with my testimony. Um, I have, of course, shared with people I've known throughout my life or just uh, close people, uh, friends or family members. But I've never really just shared it out there for everybody to hear. Um With that being said, I'm not going to go into detail as far as mentioning names or anything like that, just because I don't want to embarrass or shame or cause anybody guilt if it so happens that anybody that's been in my life happens to hear this. Um, That's not my my purpose. And also, I want to say that I forgive anyone and everyone that has ever hurt me or caused any kind of pain in my life. I have forgiven them, even if I'm still working on healing. Um, so as I share this this testimony and the things that have been done, I do not say it with any bitterness or anything like that. Um, simply just sharing because it is what's taken place and it's a part of my life. It's a part of my history, my past. And um, I want to say that because these things have happened, though they were painful, they've made me who I am today. Abba has taken those things, like it says in Romans 8, 28, and he has used it for my good and to glorify him as well. So um, again, I I can't promise I won't get emotional, um, and maybe I won't, I don't know. Um, This may be a longer episode than others. Um, Again, I don't know how long it'll take me to share all of this, and um, I probably won't be sharing more about my immediate family and my testimony concerning marriage and stuff until a later episode, but I will share leading up to all of that, again, just to show his goodness and his redemptive work in my life and I'm sure in the lives of many others to come. 
All right, so I'm going to go ahead and share my testimony. So I come from a long line of uh, patterns of divorce, infidelity, drug addiction, uh, different religions and things like that, especially on my mom's side. My mom and dad uh, met and married and had me and my two brothers. And 10 years after that, they divorced. And that divorce was really just kind of the start of a really negative domino effect. Um, I was only about eight years old when my parents divorced. And um, because I was so young at the time, I didn't really realize what was going on. I just knew that now, you know, my dad was living somewhere else and that we were visiting him uh, every weekend or every other weekend. And that's just how we grew up and it became normal to me. So much so that that's what I thought it like how it was supposed to be. Um, You know, and it's funny because ever since I was a little girl, I always had getting married and having a large family on my heart. I just thought, you know, that's every little girl's dream. Um, And then as I grew older, I realized that a lot of girls would grow out of that and all of a sudden they wanted to become doctors and lawyers and all these career-oriented things. And I still just wanted to be a wife and a mother. Um, I never grew out of that. And um, it was really surprising to me considering everything that I had gone through and seen concerning broken family and stuff like that. Um, After my mother and father divorced, uh, my mom moved us around a lot just to make ends meet. Um, I watched my mom struggle a lot um, trying to raise us kids. My mom did remarry a couple years later. My father remarried several years after, um, and all of it was just absolutely horrible. Uh, For me, growing up, um, I dealt with a lot of rejection, unfortunately. Um, I didn't have a good relationship with my mother, not by my choice, and I did not have a good relationship with my father, not by my choice. And what was sad was I was the only daughter. (laughs) Um, No matter how hard I tried as I got older, um, neither parent just... I don't know what exactly it was. Um, You know, they were good parents. They provided what we needed, a roof over our head, clothes and food. But all the other important stuff was missing. And, um, you know, it it just, it wasn't good. But I I definitely felt a lot of rejection, um, a lot from my family. Um, By the time I was 15, I actually had met my, my first love, or what I thought was love. And that um, that was my son's father. I was 15. He was 18. Um, and that was when I lost my virginity because I had no covering. Um, meaning my dad just was never there for me. I was not looked after. I was not protected. And I was basically repeating history. Um, because, uh, shortly after that, I learned that this man that, or, you know, young man that I had fallen for, you know, that puppy love, um, was a drug addict. Um, and I really had no business, um, you know, being around him and, and trying to date somebody like that. But I was in love and I thought that this is who I wanted to be with because I just had no clue. Um, I also grew up in a home where even though both my mom and dad were believers, they completely abandoned implementing anything that had to do with God Um, in our home. So growing up, my brothers and I did not attend church. 
Uh, we didn't really know what the Bible was. We would just always see one open and laying on like a table or something, and that was it. Um, we were not taught prayer. We were not taught about God or Jesus or any of the stories in the Bible. We were actually like absolutely, <clears throat> excuse me, oblivious to what any of that was. Um, so we weren't bad kids. We didn't get into trouble. We didn't get into things um, like, you know, drinking and drugs or anything like that. We weren't rebellious or anything like that. But we had a rough childhood because we moved a lot. Our parents were divorced and um, it was just really hard on us kids. We went through a lot of changes. Um, and so anyways, by the time I met my son's father that I was only 15 again, um, one of the things that I did do that was not good was I, you know, became sexually involved um, at such a young age. And um, then my heart was broken because I ended up moving and um, I didn't see my son's father for almost five years. And I ended up moving back after almost five years to where I had previously lived. Um, And he was still there and our, our paths crossed. And so I thought it was, you know, it was meant to be because all this time had come, you know, gone by and we crossed paths and we picked up right where we left off. The sad thing was I was so blinded by wanting to be loved because I had been rejected so much and had gone through all these changes and that, you know, all I could see was somebody was finally showing me love and attention and I could not see the truth, which was, you know, he was not someone that would be good, uh, a good husband or a good father because he was addicted to drugs. Um, and when we reconnected, he was still, he had actually just gotten out of jail and, um, we picked up right where we left off and almost immediately I became pregnant and I was, I had just turned 20 or I was 20. So I was really young, but I thought, I thought surely now that we're going to have a child together, you know, he's going to commit and we're going to get married and, you know, we're going to be this family because we're so in love and, and no, that wasn't the case. Now, I still was not a believer. Um, I actually wouldn't have come to, um, to Elohim until I was about 26 years old. So I had no clue, you know, I really didn't, you know, as far as I knew, I was just following what everybody else was doing. I thought I was in love. I thought I knew better. Um, And what was really happening was that the enemy was causing me to repeat history or cause those generational inequities to be passed down. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was repeating history all over again. You know, uh, shortly after I found out I was pregnant, um, you know, I was happy. I, again, I had always wanted to be a mother. I always wanted to have a family. And, um, you know, almost immediately I realized that my son's father was not going to be able to be the father he needed to be or the husband. Um, we never did marry legally, uh, praise Abba. Um, I actually ended up moving when I was about three months pregnant and I, I went back to the States, um, cause that was in Puerto Rico. I went back to the States. Um, and, uh, I had just decided that he wasn't going to step up to the plate and I was going to have to do this, you know, pretty much by myself. And, ended up going back and living with my father and, um, in Colorado. And I ended up having my son there, uh, a few months after my son was born, 
I decided to try again with his dad. And so I had his dad come out and stay with us. And it was absolutely horrible, completely toxic. Um, We fought all the time. Uh, We just couldn't make things work. And um, we ended up separating again. He ended up going back home. And I just was like, I can't. I, I can't do this. This isn't the kind of life that I want. But we kept trying. We were we were on and off for uh, quite a few years. But the final straw um, was I ended up going to Puerto Rico. And my son was about three years old. And um, his father had just gotten out of jail again. And he knew we were there. And, you know, he really wanted to try again. And, um, you know, and I I believed he wanted to. um, But the drug habit just really had a hold on him. And it wasn't God's will. Um, But I kept, you know, I didn't know then. I wasn't even a believer yet, you know. So um, I tried again. And the final straw for me was one day um, we were visiting his sister. And... I was upstairs with um, with uh, my my then sister-in-law. I get well. I guess you would say we weren't. Again, we weren't married legally, but I was upstairs talking with her and um, had my son there and his two little cousins, my my little nephews there. And I was starting to wonder where my son's father was at. It had been some time and. I went downstairs to go see if I could find him to check on him. And when I went down there, he was completely strung out. Um, He was high. He had shot up heroin and I had no clue that he was even doing that. Um, And then apparently he was stealing to support his habit. When I saw my son's father strung out on heroin, that was it for me. I said, there's no way I can do this, and I'm not going to put my son through this. There's just no way. So a couple months after that, I ended up going back home to the States to be a single mom. Um, I went through a lot um, after that with my own family because now I was a single mom, and I was, you know, hopefully relying on my family to help me out, even though it wasn't their fault, it wasn't their decision and choice that they made. But I thought, well, what's family for, you know, maybe they can help me and just get by because now I've got to work and, you know, just all of these things and um, things just got really bad from there. Um, When my son was four going on five is when I actually gave my life to the Messiah, to Elohim, for the very first time, and that was actually through a friend of the family who ministered the gospel to me, and I prayed and became a believer, and that was at the lowest point of my life, and that was right when I found out that my son's dad was using, and he was also cheating on me as well. He was also unfaithful to me, and he had actually been um, unfaithful to me for almost a year, and I didn't even know it, Um, so I was at the lowest point. I was at my lowest point, um, and I gave my life to the Messiah, and um, that was the the first best thing that I had done, but after that, things got really, really bad. Um, 
I was actually so miserable that I was addicted to smoking marijuana almost daily just to numb the pain that my son's father had put me through. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was just, you know, I was trying to go to church at that time, but I was just so stuck and, um, just feeling really heartbroken and miserable. And I started thinking, surely this is not the life that God has for me. And I don't want to be like this. I don't want my son to be in this. Um, you know, I really wanted to make changes. And so I ended up moving, but things got worse with my family. So I ended up going uh, first back to my dad's and that was horrible because my dad was um, in a relationship with someone who did not accept any of us and then he married her. Um, but long story short, my dad actually ended up kicking me out of his house because he wanted me to give him information um, about my mother. You know, he basically tried to put me in the middle of uh, a situation that was between my mom and dad. And I respectfully told him that I didn't want to be in the middle of that because they're both my parents and I love them. And I wasn't going to do that to either one of them. And because I refused that, I remember my father coming home upset. And he told me that I had 10 minutes to pack my stuff and that I needed to get out. And it was a good thing that my mom happened to be in the same state at that time because had she not been, I would have been in the street, basically. My mom had to come pick me up. Um, I remember packing my stuff and I was just so confused and so hurt that my own father would kick me out of his own house because I didn't want to be involved in a situation involving him and my mother. Um, that was the first biggest rejection that I faced that I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Uh, and for months, I think almost a year, my father and I didn't talk. And then I remember when my son was closer to five, I was in Puerto Rico again. And um, I decided I needed to go back to the States. There was no life in Puerto Rico for me or my son. And my brother at the time was in Missouri and my mother was as well. And so my brother opened his door to me and told me I could go out there so I could start a new life, that I could stay with him, you know, until I got on my own feet. So I did that because it was the only way I, I could get back to the States. The problem with that was that at the time, this, this sibling um, was an alcoholic and, um, but I thought, well, you know, it's, it's not ideal, but I need a place to stay. Everything will be okay. <laughs> and again, I'm just barely starting my walk with, with Elohim. So I get to Missouri, Missouri. I've never been to it's, you know, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Colorado. I was born in Massachusetts, grew up in Colorado. Missouri was absolutely a state I had never been to. So I get out there and I stay with my brother for a few months and I start looking for work. And one night, I guess, um, I don't know what all I said. I don't think I said anything that was disrespectful or anything like that at all. But because the sibling had been drinking, 
he became agitated with me for whatever reason. And before I knew it, the uh, girlfriend that he had at the time, um, he had her call the cops and told the cops that he wanted me to be removed from his home. I'm just sitting in the living room watching TV. I had just put my son to bed and I decided to sit down and watch a show. And all of a sudden, they're on the phone with the cops saying that I needed to get out. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, what is <laughs> what is happening right now? But, you know, he had been drinking. Um, and so next thing I know, the cops show up and... Um, same thing. They tell me I have 10 to 15 minutes to pack what I could for me and my little boy. I had to get my little boy out of bed and um, that I had to go and I had no idea where I was going to go. Um, my mom shows up because my brother calls her and tells her what's going on. And I'm thinking she's come to tell me that I can go stay with her because I've only been in Missouri a few months. I have absolutely nowhere else to go. I don't know why my brother has decided to call the cops. I have absolutely done nothing but look for work. And uh, that was it. <laughs> um, I remember I looked at my mother and I'm crying at this point because I don't know what's going on. And I said, can I please go stay with you? Because I don't know what's going on right now. Um, and I don't know what to do and I'm scared. And my mother looked at me and she said, no, you cannot come with me. And the reason why she said I couldn't go with her was because she was getting ready to have a boyfriend come out and live with her. And I remember feeling so rejected, so hurt and so confused as to why these people who are my family, who are my loved ones, were rejecting me in such a way. I remember grabbing my little boy and whatever stuff I could pack and I got into the cop car and I have no idea where they're taking me. And um, they ended up taking me to a shelter for battered women because at the time that sibling that drank had also hit me. And so I ended up being in that shelter for about three or four months until my mom reached back out to me again, crying that she wanted us to go and stay with her. And uh, I went and stayed with her and it was hell again, all over again. You know, um, my family is just very manipulative, very narcissistic, uh, very hurtful and just, it was horrible. But I did what I had to do. I found a job and I eventually you know, um, was able to get my own home. And, um, after that was when I started finding God even more. Um, and I did it by myself. I did not have a home church or anything like that, but I started seeking him more and more. I started reading the Bible more all on my own. I started teaching my son and I thought, surely this isn't the life that God has for me. This can't be the life that God has for me. I remember repenting and just asking him to please help me, you know, to please just help me to understand the life that he has for me and the purpose. And um, and that's what I did for a few years. And I remember um, Elohim working on me for those few years. He completely transformed my life. Um, but I was still dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of hurt from my family. Just a lot of rejection. 
and I was always around them. You know, we were always in the same city. Um, I, it just seems like I could never get away from them, but I would always look to them for help because I was alone. I was by myself. I was raising a child by myself. I had nobody. I mean, I had Elohim, but I had nobody. And I struggled for years. I struggled for years. Um, and I just remember praying and asking God to please just save me out of all of this, you know, that this isn't what I wanted for me or my little boy. I still had that hope and desire for a family. And I remember a friend saying, how can you even still want to get married after seeing, you know, everything that your parents went through and how they've treated you and, you know, how can, why would you even still want any of that? And I said, I don't know, but I still have that in my heart. And that's what I want. And I remember asking God, I said, God, if this is my desire and not your desire for me or your plans for my life, please remove it, you know, and please help me to forgive my family to heal from that so that I can love somebody properly and love my kids the way that I'm supposed to love them in the way that you want me to love them, you know, and I'm still uh, healing a little bit. Um, from some of those things. But you know what? You know, Abba showed me unconditional love through that little boy that I had, um, even when I was rejected and unloved and unwanted by my own family. But Abba showed me unconditional love through my son and then later on again. Um, and so I was able to heal mostly from that. And he never removed that desire to marry and have a family from my heart. So I knew it wasn't just what I wanted. It was, he placed that there on my heart. And I, I thought, I don't know if I'll ever have this. And I don't know if I deserve it because I come from such a dysfunctional family. But I remember saying, if this is what you have for me, then I will honor you with it. And, um, then I remember asking him to show me um, why it was taking so long. I was single for, for a very, very long time. I thought I was damaged. I thought no one was going to ever want me. I thought something was wrong with me because um, I just had no, no men pursuing me. I had nothing. But during that time, Abba was working on me. So I was closed, as to say. I was under construction. and um, But I remember one day during prayer, he said to me, he said, I have marriage for you, but the marriage that I have for you is from me. And so I need you to understand and see what marriage for me is about because it's, it's not what you think it is. And especially coming from such a long line of divorces and infidelity and broken relationships and so on. And, you know, just women, you know, in my family trying to dominate men and, you know, just all these things that were absolutely opposite of what scripture says. And that's when I started studying marriage in the Bible all by myself. Um, my son and I didn't attend church until a couple years later, and then we got baptized together and stuff. But um, I studied that all by myself with the help of the Holy Spirit. And when he started showing me that my marriage would be from him and that he had chosen somebody for me and that if I wanted his will for my life, I needed to let him be in control. When I finally started to understand that, that's when I remember I got down on my knees one day, I kneeled at the side of my bed and I said, Abba, if you 
have marriage in store for me and you have chosen somebody for me to marry, then I will wait for that person. I will not date frivolously. I will not do any of those things. I will wait for you. And I made that vow and that promise to God. And you know what? (laughs) It was five and a half years (laughs) before I met the person he chose for me. Five and a half years. There were times where I thought I was never going to get married, that I was damaged goods. There was no way it was ever going to happen. I used to cry and say, God, if not for me, then for my son, so he can have a father. You know, I didn't even want it for me anymore, (laughs) even though I was really lonely sometimes. But I was like, if not for me, then for my little boy who wants so much to have a father figure. You know, because that was really painful to see too. And the more I studied marriage in scripture and the more understanding I had, I knew that this was just not what God ever has planned for any of us who are called to marriage, you know, um, But then I realized that I was also making marriage an idol. I was putting it above God because I was thinking about it all the time. I was, you know, crying a lot. I was feeling lonely and I wasn't really focusing on my relationship with Elohim and I needed to do that first. Um, And I I would I would fail sometimes. Sometimes I would make it an idol um, and then I would remember and repent and then turn back to God and focus on him and my son. Um, And as the years went by, You know, the more and more understanding I had, the more I was growing in my walk with Elohim and was just getting really closer with him and just learning. And he was preparing me to be a godly wife and a godly mother. I was teaching my son. But the sad thing was that while I was doing all of that, there were two things that were going on. Number one, my family grew even more distant with me because now I was a believer. They were believers too, but they were still in the world. So the, the, the more I grew in my walk with Elohim, the more distant they became. I, I would be ridiculed. I would be made fun of. I would be, you know, anytime I try to share anything that Elohim was doing in my life, they would laugh it off. They would, they, they felt I was holier than thou or, you know, just playing the narcissistic games. And it was just really terrible. Um, then it was really hard because I was trying to raise my son Um, in a godly home, godly lifestyle, and anytime we went around them, they would just completely disrespect that, and, uh, you know, let me tell you something, it's hard raising a child or children by yourself, but it's even harder when you're trying to raise them up in the way that they should go in a godly lifestyle, it's even harder when you're doing that by yourself in the world that we live in, so uh, I would cry a lot, I would cry a lot because I just felt so alone, And I remember crying out to God and saying, I know I have you, but I feel so alone. Um, And then I remember him ministering to me and telling me that I needed to start praying for my future husband. And I didn't, I wasn't really great at prayer. I didn't really have a prayer life because I wasn't taught. I wasn't really shown. And I just started to do it, you know, um, just the Holy Spirit would lead me. And before I knew what I was, even though I had no idea who my husband was, um, I would pray for him. I would pray for his heart. I would pray for his relationship. I would pray that if he was going through any difficulties or, or, or whatever in life, you know, that, you know, Abba would help him and protect him and just, you know, I would just pray these things, not really even knowing who this person was, right? 
Um, but I would pray with faith that he was out there because Abba had promised me a marriage from him and that he had already chosen that person for me. Um, and so it was really up to me if I wanted his will or my own will, but I chose his will and I said I would wait, but I needed to be praying for him. And you know what? I ended up finding out that, um, my God given spouse needed those prayers because he was going through his own hell. (laughs) Um, actually very similar to mine. Um, and so I didn't know it at the time, obviously, but you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible how it is sometimes, you know, but, um, it was really hard because I had some days where I just, I wanted to quit and I wanted to give up. I just thought this is never going to happen for me, which I was doubting and that wasn't good. I had to repent, but I just remember thinking this is never going to happen for me. You know, I I see absolutely nothing happening. Um, I mean, I've changed and stuff, but I don't see anything happening. And then I remember one day I was in Missouri about five years. My family had all moved back to Colorado in 2016. And then in 2017, um, the enemy started attacking me really, really bad. Right, right after my son and I got baptized by water, um, I started getting really bad anxiety and panic attacks. Um, by then, it was just me and my son in the state of Missouri by ourselves, and I started having these horrible thoughts. You know, if something happened to me, what would happen to my little boy, and just all of these terrible things. Um, things weren't working out. Um, and I remember one day, out of all people, <laughs> My mom calling me and saying, just come back home to Colorado and just start all over again. And I thought, oh my gosh, do I really want to do that? I mean, Colorado's home, but I thought, do I really want to do that? You know, and I remember just praying and, but I couldn't take what I was going through either. I couldn't take the the attacks that I was going through with the anxiety and how bad it got. Um, and so I finally made the decision. I said, okay, I'm just going to. I'm going to go back to Colorado. Um, And, uh, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but it was God's will because that was where I would, you know, eventually end up being presented to my God-ordained spouse um, in Colorado, out of all places um, that I had lived and and all those kind of things. And um, the other crazy thing was that my God-ordained spouse had just gotten to Colorado as well from a different state in the same year I got there. So God was already aligning and orchestrating all of that uh, for us to eventually meet. And um, that's where I'm going to stop there because that'll be a whole separate testimony when Abba gives me the green light for that. I'm not going to share that just yet. Um, So I'm going to stop there. But um, I went through hell and I went through a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, a lot of rejection a lot of lonely days and nights, a lot of hardships. But Abba got me through every single one of them. He carried me through every single one of them. Even when I didn't know him, he knew me and he never left me or forsaked me ever. And when I look back at everything that I went through, Sometimes I asked why I had to go through that and endure what I did. And I still haven't even shared all of everything, but I realized that 
where I was most broken, where I was most hurt, was where Abba not only used for my ministry and to help other people, but in my own life, in my own family, in my own marriage. And um, I remember I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna share this part, but I feel led to. I was gonna wait to share this part, but I can I can go ahead and share it because this was before. Um, I remember being in prayer one day for my God ordained spouse. I already knew who he was, and this person was broken too. And uh, I'm not gonna share much about that. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna share too much detail and stuff. Like I said, I have to wait to do that, but. Um, I remember one day I was in prayer and I was actually crying because I didn't understand what God was doing. I didn't understand why this person, I I just, I didn't understand. And on top of that, this person had actually hurt me too um, when we met. And uh, I remember crying and I remember saying, I know your love and I know you love me. And aside from my son, will I ever experience that kind of love on this side of heaven? And he said to me, he said, that man that is your husband is going to love you with a love very similar to mine. And I remember crying because I thought this person is just as broken as I am. How, how is that going to happen? And he said, because I am in the midst of the two of you, because it is my will. And I remember just crying and thanking him. And uh, it's, it's something that I never thought I would have. It's something that I never thought I would know other than the unconditional love that I received from my son. And of course, that's a different kind of love, you know, when... When you come together with your spouse, there's that romantic love as well. But um, when you see Elohim bring two broken people together that have both experienced pain and toxicity, counterfeit relationships, um, just all of those things. And you see the love that comes in between them and the purpose that they share together. Only Elohim can do that. Only he can do that. And um, that's when I just was like, wow, this really is a marriage from God. And it does exist. And it's how it was always supposed to be. Always. And I'm not saying it'll be perfect or a fairy tale. You will face trials. You will have problems, but you'll face them together. And some people from the outside looking in might think, oh, it happened, it happened for you really late in life or, you know, because you're up there in age and whatnot. And you know what? No, because God's timing is perfect. Never early, never late. And you know what? I can honestly tell you right now that it was well worth the wait and um, that Abba truly takes us where we are most broken at, that we think there's no chance for us. There's no hope. And like Romans 8.28 says, he turns it around for our good. He uses it for our good. 
and I never when I say that it happens unexpectedly and when I say that Abba knows exactly who you need it's it's the truth okay I never made a list I never said I want my spouse to look like this and be like this and this and this and this I just said Abba whoever you have for me whoever you chose for me I, I'm not even going to question it but I'll be honest with you after I met the person I thought is this really right <laughs> you know um and it, it was absolutely um absolutely you know and um one of the biggest things about that process was that it also taught me how to pray it taught me how to uh how to intercede and war in the spirit you know um, battle through prayer because i ultimately ended up having to help this person as well um and again I'll get more into detail on that when the time comes, um, and hopefully um, they will be sharing that alongside with me. <laughs> um, we will see what happens, but um, it's been quite a journey. It really has, but I share this testimony, and I left a lot of stuff out, but I share this testimony to give encouragement and hope that whatever you have been through, whatever you have faced, whatever pain, whatever toxicity, whatever mistakes, sins, whatever that has happened, know that you are loved, you are forgiven. And when we repent and turn to him and humble ourselves before him, he will embrace us. He will draw us in and embrace us. He will... um you know, we were already born with a purpose and a calling and a plan. And that's what he starts activating and working on with you. Because remember, like I've talked about in my last few episodes, yes, there's free will. And because there's free will, Abba doesn't force himself or the plan that he has for you on you. You have to make that choice. Because if he was to force that, then it wouldn't be love. And and God is love. Just like John tells us in the Bible. He is love. We have to come to him and repent and say, Father, I am so sorry for what I've done or because I didn't know any better or whatever that it was. I'm here, please. You know, your will be done in my life, not mine. Abba took me when I was most broken when I thought there was nothing left, no hope, couldn't have felt any more rejected, any more unloved. He came at the lowest point of my life. And every time I think about that, I'm just like, wow. At the lowest point of my life is when he came to me. And he didn't force me. He just came to me and let me know that he was there and he was always there for me. And I finally accepted it because I didn't know any better. I wasn't ever taught. I was 26 when I gave my life to God. And I am 36 today. Um, well, I turned 36 in September, but... So it has been 10 beautiful years. It's been hard. But when I look at what all he's done in my life... I feel bad sometimes when I complain and I always repent, but when I look back at how he came to me at the lowest point of my life, he redeemed me. 
And he also redeemed my God-ordained spouse. And neither one of us deserved it. Because we both made similar mistakes. We both um, were in wrong relationships, counterfeit relationships. We both committed fornication. We both had children. Um, And he still redeemed us. And gave us a beautiful gift. And um, it's one of the things I'm most passionate about today is marriage and family. And I have this heart and fire to help others and to share the truth. That's what this podcast is all about. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. It's to give you truth and encouragement. And mainly to share with you who God is and his character and what he's all about. If God could pick up my broken pieces, redeem me and bring me out of what I was in, and restore the very thing that was broken in my life, that just was absolutely pure dysfunction, he can do it with any of you. Don't lose hope. And I will be honest with you, there were times where I wavered in my faith because things took so long. Sometimes it looked like nothing was happening. Sometimes it looked like nothing was changing. And sometimes Abba would bring things in my life or certain people. And I'm like, I don't wait a minute. What's I feel like I'm going backwards or this seems really challenging. Like, how am I going to, you know, but all of these things has made me so strong I have endured a lot. (laughs) I've endured a lot of rejection, a lot of pain. And let me tell you something. One of the things that I have learned, and I'm not saying this in a boastful way or even about myself, but I've seen this in other people. The people that are most broken and have been hurt the most in their lives are the most kindest, sweetest, compassionate, gentle people, male or female. And I remember Abba highlighting that to me about myself and about my God-ordained spouse. And um, because even though when we met, he had a lot going on, I still saw a beautiful heart and a very compassionate person, heart, soul. And I think at the time he thinks I never saw that, but I did. I saw past his hard shell and exterior and um, it was the one of the things that I think he, um, Abba highlighted in both of us for both of us to see within one another. So that was really special as well. Um, it's just, it's incredible how Abba redeems people. Um, his redemptive work is just so beautiful. It truly is, but... Um, Gosh, it's going to be almost 50 minutes, so (laughs) I am going to go ahead and um, stop there. Um, I could go on and on, and there's still a lot more that I haven't shared, but that is what I'm going to share for now. That is my testimony in a nutshell, and again, I wanted to share that to give honor and glory to Abba. Um, 
and to give hope and encouragement. I hope that this is what this testimony does for any of you who are listening or will listen. Um, It wasn't extremely easy to be very transparent and vulnerable in sharing those things, but I feel that it's important to show people, to let people know where we come from. You know, there's, there's no shame in that. We all have fallen. We all have been through some hard and challenging situations. Some of us are ashamed of it. Some of us are embarrassed. Some of us are still too hurt to share it. But I think it's important so that people can have that hope and that encouragement. And more importantly, see how Ava works and how he is uh, merciful and, 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 and gracious and loving and um, and forgives us. Um, and that it doesn't matter how old we are, it doesn't matter how long it takes, he's always there waiting for us and he will always want us to come into that will that he has for our lives, no matter what, no matter how long it's been. It's never too late to come to the Father and seek him and his will for your life. And concerning marriage, well, like I said, you know, when he has marriage for you, he will orchestrate and ordain all of that in his perfect timing, in his perfect way. So be hopeful and encouraged in that as well. Thank you so very much for listening to this. Again, this wasn't very easy, but I'm glad that I did it. I pray that it blesses you and encourages you and brings you hope wherever you might be on your journey. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk with you in my next episode.